Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have print, put out emails. They, they make uh, videos. They, they, they're they keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. That right there is a Welcome back to The Basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, and we're happy to have you down here for... These are our special edition uh, ones, talking about discologists, where we go back and we take a look at at, at classic albums for one reason or another. Um, this one is two twofold. One, because it's 30 years old recently, and uh, two, or actually it will be 30 years old towards the end of the year. And then uh, another because the artist who made it sadly passed away on Christmas Day of 2016. How about George Michael? His album Faith changed the musical landscape uh, for the better. That is indisputable. And uh, and also played a big part in, in my life and probably yours if you're listening to this. Uh, just your musical development, personal development, uh, and whatnot. So uh, invited some friends down. Marcus Dowling, you know him. Sarah Godfrey, you know her. Uh, two amazing people to talk about an amazing album, and uh, and sort of share share our our fanboyism with you here because some of these are going to be some of these are going to be information dumps. We're going to have like books and notebooks and all these notes about stuff. I think we're doing one on on television's album Marquee Moon coming up. But this one, uh, like many, it's, it's a lot of this is us just sharing stories about how we experienced this album. Uh, way back when, because we were old enough, we were around when it came out. Just me and Sarah were. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll hear about that from, uh, from Marcus, but uh, but yeah, this is a uh, this is a good time. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing and you, and you got a beverage and you're comfortable and you, you feel like you got an hour to spend with us, let's head on down to the basement to talk about uh, the remarkable, the amazing uh, album by George Michael, Faith. Talk about how Soylent killed George Michael. I'm ready to talk about Soylent as much yes. as you want. Uh, That's so good. 
That lovely voice you hear, Sarah Godfrey over there. How you doing, Sarah? Good. How are you? It's good to have you back. Hey. Happy New Year. Happy New this, Year. Uh, we uh, we almost did this right after recently, I think, and then it was just like, no, there's too much going on. Yeah. It's like, no, just relax. Uh, so now we are all relaxed as, as we can be this week. Yes. Uh, and, then, uh, and then to my right, Mr. Marcus Dowling again I, down here. I, you, you and Casey and Eduardo <laughs> are never leaving this basement. It's it's amazing. Oh, I'm um, totally okay with that. You know, you were here when we did this before. Uh, this is about a week or two ago. We talked about the Fuji. So this is, yes. this is again, oh, another yes. uh, entrance into our Discologist series. And it, it is... Is brought about because uh, we were just talking about Wisconsin and holiday break, and uh, we lost Carrie Fisher, and, yeah. and we you know we, we know about all the deaths in in 2016, and uh, we're sitting there Christmas Day, and my lady like just looks at her phone, just slams it down, and just looks at me. Her eyes are just wide. I'm like, what are you what are you doing? She's like, I'm not telling. I'm like, come on. I'm like, come on, tell me, tell me. And she just pick up her phone. And look, George Michael died. Now, you wouldn't, if you uh, don't know me personally, necessarily take me for a George Michael type of guy. But we're going to explore one of the reasons, like, I am a George Michael type of guy. Uh, the album we're going to be talking about t- uh, today is Faith, which is why I think everybody in the world sort of became a George Michael type of guy, yes. whether they like it or not. Um, he, uh, How old was he when he passed? 53. 53. Uh, his real name was uh, Georgios... Uh, I- Greek names fuck me up, man. Tudius Kyrakos Paniatu? Yes. 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 Well done. Uh, well done. Greek immigrants in, in England, I think in Sheffield. Uh, sort of a medium-sized family and stuff. That wasn't really like in the arts too much growing up. But then no. in, in the early 80s, he, uh, he sort of found a talent for this, a real talent, which we found out, uh, by first of all starting, which in hindsight – the gayest band ever. I don't mean that pejoratively. I'm talking about Wham. If you go back now and watch Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Amazing. It's it is amazing. But but you have to, you know, much like when we were talking about the score, when you thought, think about where like black culture was when that was out in ninety six, where Wham was in like nineteen eighty three, eighty four, I think it was, it uh I mean, I was just a budding teenager at that time in Southwest Virginia, and the only the only thing we knew about gay people was from like Ronald Reagan that they were they were like evil and spreading AIDS, and we and, but nobody we knew could have been gay, and nobody we saw on TV could have been gay. Mm. It's impossible, and yet here we are, Marcus. Here, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, this is another one of those. Uh, we're going to have a story time with Marcus where I tell a story that like will leave Kevin falling into Florida's stitches. Um, okay, so in 1984, I was six years old. Um, my mother had just gotten Super TV, which was like the like kind of like cut rate version of basic cable that was going around uh, in in uh, most areas of the country at that point. And they had a, t- they, had a they had a music video program on Super TV that would come out at like seven o'clock in the morning. And this is, like, right before my mom would get in the car and take me to either, like, you know, pre-kindergarten or to, like, you know, my, my, my daycare provider. And every morning on the Super TV, like, video show, they had a Wham! video. They had two, there were two groups that ran that, that, that whole thing, and they became my two favorite groups at that point in my life. It was Duran Duran mm-hmm. and Wham! The mm. Reflex? Oh, oh the by all means. Reflex. Yes. Here's a Wham! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- okay, DJ so, Casanova. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> Casanova came later. Many of it. So I, 
So you can, I want, I want everybody to get this, this middle image in their head of like me in like 1984. I'm like, you know, starting pre-kindergarten. And I go into pre-kindergarten, first day of school, I think I've got the coolest outfit on. Mm. I've got a Wham! Make it big t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and a Duran Duran Pater's cap with flaps <laughs> on the back of it. Duran Duran World Tour Pater's cap right. with the flaps. Right. Hang it off the back and my, my Wham t-shirt because these are the two most important groups in my whole entire life. I so would have been your friend. I, yeah. You know, I, I wish I could do the George Sakai impression. Like, oh, my. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Um, I love it. The thing about George Michael that was, like, incredible is, like, even back in Wham, I knew that he was better than Michael uh, than Andrew Ridgely. I knew. I was sure. like, okay, this guy, this, this one guy here is, is brilliant. Like, everything he does is untouchable to me. Yeah, and what we didn't know is that he was the one he was writing and producing and doing everything in this. Like, he could do he could do it all. Nobody knows where it came from. Mm-hmm. Nobody. He could do it all. He looked like a Greek god. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, and, a literal uh, Greek god. And looked like a literal Greek god. He could sing. I mean, if I think we got a, a hint of it uh, with Careless Whisper, which, you know, that isn't one of the most, yeah. like, persistent songs still today. Uh, for no reason, oh, and he wrote that whole fucking yeah. like he yeah. wrote, he arranged it, he played it, he did everything in that. So, so the secret thing about George Michael and uh, Sarah will probably co-sign this is that George Michael's the greatest black artist that yes. wasn't ever black a day of his life. <laughs> um, my mother, my which, mother, which is where this starts to get crazy complicated. Yeah, so my mother was like, my mother, I love Britpop growing up. I've talked about this probably a million times with mm-hmm. you, Kevin. Yeah, my my adoration of all things. Britpop as a child. Um, my mother was not okay with uh, Boy George at Culture Club. Mm. Like, like she bought me color. She went to the rec- She went to Waxy Baxy's uh, and, you know, walks in. I want to buy my son the Boy George album. And the guy behind the counter is like this cool, like, you know, kind of like black guy, like, you know, kind of like punk, whatever, dude. Like, probably in retrospect, he was probably like the coolest guy in the world, and I didn't realize it. At the time, he wore like, you know, like studs, and he had cool band t-shirts, mm-hmm. and like really tight jeans, and like snow white Adidas, like sneakers. So he's Beautiful. probably like the coolest guy in the world. But I didn't realize it at the time. So he goes, well, Boy George isn't an artist, but the act is called Culture Club. And my mom's like, okay, well, I want the Culture Club album for my son. So she goes in, gets the Culture <laughs> Club album, and the guy gives it to her, and she looks at Boy George, George O'Dowd, on the cover of the re- on the record, and he's got like you know the dreadlocks, like or not or like like the uh, the, the rather the uh, the braids, uh-huh. and there's like the three like you know possibly homosexual gentlemen, like on like the the the, the right side, and there's all of this like you know like Chinese lettering and all this stuff that my mother's like. I'm not buying that because Boy George is black. So this was always the thing growing up with me. It was like all of the Britpop that I grew up loving. Mm-hmm. My mom originally thought that it was made by black artists. I love it. Like she originally thought that like Boy George was black and that like the uh, and that Duran Duran was a group of like young African American boys from yeah. somewhere probably California. <laughs> well, the, the 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 thought that that basically uh, the Brits sort of sold blues back to America like that's a real yeah. thing. Oh, absolutely. Cool. And, you know, absolutely! All those guys in the '60s and '70s were all listening to all the blues guys. In fact, uh, I think Casey was down here. We we're talking about how Mick Jagger is the one guy who gets a pass because right. he he would take people like Muddy Waters out and he'd be like, "All right, we're opening for you mm-hmm. in Chicago." Yeah, <laughs> which is like, yeah, <laughs> like, all right. yeah. So yeah, so like, 
So when he got to George Michael, my mom saw the video. We still talk about it to this day. I called her before I was on the way over here, and I told her I was talking about uh, George Michael, and she got Mm -hmm. excited because she's like, remember that time when I saw the Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go video, and I told you that they were gay? So your mom had gaydar. Yeah. Like, complete gaydar. And, and, okay. okay. And so understand, this is like 1984. So, like, this is when I first learned right. what homosexuality was. And I swore up and down that these two men, who were very, in retrospect, as you said, Kevin. You, you, you could not now, you can't watch that now and be like, I mean, you, you, might like pussy. Like you can't, you can't do that. Not, not there. You can't do that. Even though, even though we're going to talk about this a little later, you know, at that time, George Michael himself was, un, was unsure. Right, right, uh, right. It's fascinating. So like, my mom watches the video and this is like my favorite song in the whole entire world at this point. I would skip around the house. I had no rhythm. I didn't have rhythm until I was like 13. So like, I had no rhythm, but I would skip around the house, try to do the dance from the video, you know, the the, the yeah, 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 the jitterbug. Dance, the jitterbug. <laughs> I tried to jitterbug around the jitterbug. And I tried to jitterbug around the house, and my mom was like, what, what's going on? And she saw the video, and she's like, that guy is gay. And she turned off the TV. And I, I couldn't watch the video. And, and for years, right. like... So like when, but I mean that that was that was the eighties. That was yeah. like legitimately the eighties. Like, and like it, it, no joke. If you're young and listening to this, like you know you you made fun of somebody by telling them they had AIDS. Oh yeah, oh, totally. Like oh, totally. that's horrible. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you're looking like <laughs> I, my friends I didn't did do that. No, but <laughs> I'm not saying I did either. But I'm just saying that was that for, was for, the time for a long Absolutely. time. It was it was that. So, yeah. And and it was. I mean, nobody like. I don't adults. I don't think anybody understood. Yeah, like obviously that's false because there was like a lot of people in the closet. Just it, because it was not socially acceptable, it was like people had no experience with it if they weren't gay themselves. Yeah, it's fascinating. So yeah, it's that... interesting too. I feel like he's presents the sort of sexuality during this sort of phase in his career too that I think people thought was really safe. Like someone was asking yeah. me like why George Michael over Madonna, and I think. Madonna sort of sparked sexual awakening for people who are attracted to girls, right. and George Michael sort of sparked it for people well, I mean, who are attracted were, to boys. Were technically wholesome. Yes, exactly. You know exactly. The, the, the the video for that, and even uh, the the video for um, oh god, how did it, careless whisper. Even the video for that, mm-hmm. they they look like the normal like eighties. Like nightlife guys, everybody you know, needs that's to watch. Duran, that's what Duran Duran dressed mm-hmm. up like. Everybody needs to watch the video for Careless Whisper, like yeah. right now. Like pause this podcast <laughs> and watch the video for Careless Whisper because there's all sorts of like bizarre fuckery that goes on in that video that like mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with George Michael's actual reality. Mm-hmm. Zero, like negative zero. But the, zero but to the do song did. Yeah, the song did. very much did, and and, and and in my mind, not as only it's one of the best songs. But it's one of the most uh, subversive songs, pop songs God, ever, really because is. he's literally talking about a relationship with a man. Yeah, and you know, people would say, "Well, oh, it doesn't matter." It really does mm-hmm. matter. Guilty because feet, given they the have time, no rhythm. Because given the time that this happened, again, I cannot stress it enough. People could not come out, especially in the pop world. Like David Bowie might have been the only person who was really out. People get even Elton John wasn't out. Nope. Like yep. Elton John, who dressed up as a fucking Donald Duck in Central Park, was not out of the closet. <laughs> like you know, he was just different. He's my mother, right. my mother. No, it was okay. So to my mother's credit, my mother, like okay, so like 
you'll hear my bring up my mother a lot. You hear me bring up my childhood a lot when I bring up George Michael mm-hmm. because George Michael was very much a part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite artist as a child. I'm with you by far. I was nine years old when Faith came when when Faith came out. Right. So it's like one of the first records that like I listened to back and, and forth when I was like able to like. Finally, like, give my mother my own money that I had saved up for my allowance and said, Mom, I need you to buy me this record. Because I can't go to the record store and buy this record myself. Which is which is amazing. I'll tell you why. Because this is the song that you, that you heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but wait. Oh, wait. I Want Your Sex was released in June of 1987. <laughs> yes, it was. And at that point, George Michael's still not out of the closet. So <laughs> little George <laughs> Michael <laughs> went from being like, wake me up before you go-go, to like, I'm going to fuck everything all over your TV. If you saw this video, yes. it was scandalous. MTV would not play it mm-hmm. during the day. They played it a few times. Uh, you... you it, you know, this was featured in a couple movies, Beverly Hills Cop 2, in, wow, a, strip, right. in a strip club where it belonged at that time. <laughs> and God, yes. And this was all, and on the cover, we're looking at the cover right now, you have this guy who was wearing these shirts. Now he's got his his scruff, his like earring, which men so did not wear, it. his leather jacket and no shirt. So maybe he was hanging out of decades. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If you come to decades, you dress like George Michael. So your mom, you shake your, hand. your mom, upon like hearing this, says okay. what to you? All right. So okay. So like, so like, we'll we'll go back and we'll go forward. So like, the first time I like my mom heard a song that was like about was like too sexually explicit for me to hear. It was "Darling Nikki" by Prince from the uh, Purple Rain soundtrack. And uh, my mom famously like the first movie I ever saw that involved nudity was Purple Rain. My mother. Uh, Covered my eyes every time that anybody naked was on the screen. And she missed one time that Apollonia was naked. So the first naked woman I ever saw in life was Apollonia. And it, and it kind of screwed up, like, screwed me, like, as, like, an adult. Like, the first time I saw, like, a, a naked woman when I was an adult. And I'm like, she doesn't look like Apollonia. <laughs> That's awkward. Like, you're like, all, all naked women to me, like, all women, no matter what size, shape, whatever. Whenever they took off their clothes out, I thought they all just look like Apollonia. And was, this isn't anywhere near as licky. No, like, exactly. That's right. what my mom said. So then it's she, like she watched Purple Rain for me, <laughs> and then and then came back and said, uh, "You I, you can't watch that." I said, "But why, mom?" She goes, "It's too licky." Licky. <laughs> so yeah. So three years later, you get I watch your sex. So my mom famously would like fry chicken whenever there was anything that was going on in 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 my life that she didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. 
she would fry chicken. She would just go into the kitchen and like fry like a pound of chicken. And uh, I never forget like hearing the George Michael record. Like, well, I'm just start frying chicken because I would listen in the living room of our uh, two bedroom apartment over in Northeast DC. And um, I'd have like the speakers next to my ears, and I'd have the big record sitting in front of me, and I'd be like reading, and I'd have the the the, the insert out, and I'd be reading the liner notes to each each song because I'm a big giant nerd. So my mom hears, "I want your sex," and she peeks her head out from fried chicken, and I'm just sitting on the floor like just listening to the record, like nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. And the funny part was like George Michael and my mom ever since like you know we said with like you know wake up before you go go always keyed off is gay a, right. So anything that he was saying on the record, she's like, my son is nine years old. There's absolutely no way that he can in any way understand the kind of sexual politics that this man is discussing. So it's perfectly okay. Because he's just listening to like a song and he's like, oh, this song is fun. And I mean, what she did not know is at nine years old, I'm already in my head going, sex is natural, sex is fun. So whatever whatever sex mm. is, I'm like, oh, it's fun. Yeah. And it's natural. Now as a 30, now as a 38-year-old man, I understand so much of my 20s. <laughs> I understand so much of that era of my life. Right. Because at the age of nine, it was already Im- embedded in my head. Because I listened to this record like every day for like well, a month. Par- parents had no parents had no recourse uh, for us who were kids then. Because what are you going to tell? I mean, the, the song was on the radio. It wasn't edited, and you hear it. And then I remember my dad specifically being like, "No, naked bodies are beautiful." There, <laughs> sex is, sex is he didn't talk like that. But but uh, it'd be awesome if he had. Uh, but but you know, it was it was. This weird, like, scandalous, like, pushing the envelope Mm -hmm. of, and it has what we know now as to be, that might be the ultimate gay disco song. Oh, God. Oh, for sure. Like, (sighs) music didn't sound like that. No, no. It's like, yeah, that that song in particular is- It was was disorienting. Yeah, it's crazy because it's like, like you said, like, all of the, like, all of the background vocals- Mm-hmm. Oh, I want your set. Like, okay, do it. okay. So, I mean, so like, if, you, if you isolate that, and just somebody going like, "Let's do it." So like, it's no come good. on. So like, time is back in. Like, okay. So like, at this time, George Michael is like attempting to become the number one artist in all of music. Like, there's this space in '87 where like Michael Jackson puts out Bad. Thriller. No, '87 like, was bad. No, no, no. But Michael Jackson had put out Thriller in '84, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so he had toured the universe for like three years, and nobody knew what Bad was going to sound like. Nobody knew that Bad had this whole like progressive kind of sound on what he was doing. Nobody knew what Bad was going to sound like. Prince had just released Around the World in a Day, mm-hmm. and was about to come back with uh, Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. So parade you first. Parade first, I think. Parade, yeah. yeah. So you, but you don't know what Parade is going to sound like. Right. And then you're thinking about Madonna is like this upstart, right. and all Madonna talks about is sex. Mm-hmm. Literally, every song that Madonna puts out is like, I'm having sex. That's all I'm doing. Like, all we know about Madonna is like, she's just, like, she's just uh, literally just having sex 24 hours a day. That's Madonna. So when you're thinking about, like, George Michael is attempting to well, cross over into American pop and- at that point. I mean, and this is Thriller with fucking. I always tell people that. That's thriller ex- with fucking? That's yeah, what it I is. Like it. I that's like it. what it is. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where, that's where he's at. He's, like, trying. This record is the most explicit attempt at trying to make an Americanized 
pop classic well, well, he, out of the gate for George he, Michael. Yeah, yeah, he he idolized like people like Marvin Gaye, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wanted to be that solo artist. Being that he was from England, he had more claim to that than anybody over here trying yeah. to do that. I don't even remember like boy bands at that point over here that were trying to do. They, they were all like, "Who's the guy?" Uh, uh, fucking every time you go away, Paul. Paul Young. Paul Young. Yeah, <laughs> you know these guys are singing like real soul, simply red. Yeah, like, those, we're, we're all doing this stuff. Ooh, you know, you think about what was Alvin too. The fucking this was twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Excuse me. Yeah, thirty years ago oh this year. God, so. Joshua Tree, Hysteria, <laughs> Appetite for Destruction, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, R.E.M.'s Document, oh Walk Like God. an Egyptian was the number one single that year, Billy Vera and the Beaters at this moment, what Open Your you Heart, Liv- Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, and then along comes this shit, and it has no place except for just basically just... Okay. It, it's, the, it's a record that's made to... Only, this record is only made to top the charts. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Only. So like we could uh, we could dive into the record now. We're like into yeah. this thing. Okay, so like Faith, you're taking like Chuck Berry, James Dean, and like combining them into one thing. You're like, okay, we're gonna take these American tropes from like the 1950s, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna smash mm-hmm. them together, bang, and we're gonna put it into this body and. George Michael, the thing about George Michael that's funny is at this point, he's just wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah. He's like a, he's S- like sometimes. a, he's like the perfect male model in a sense where he's like, okay, I'm going to put on like this leather jacket and these tight jeans and these cowboy boots and I'm going to have a guitar and I'm going to be next to a jukebox, very 1950s. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a very specific thing. That, like, Americans haven't seen in, I mean, maybe since Joan Jett did, um, I don't give a damn about my, uh, my bad reputation or all that, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we haven't seen that in a while, like, especially not from a man who looks like George Michael. I feel like it's gay Elvis. I feel like it was, like, right. Elvis shade. Uh, I, I totally, like, totally all totally the Elvis. imagery, like, that video. Yeah, so he's like, And again, to stress again, he's still not out of the closet. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, so, like, walking. So, so this is us as men. Looking at it and being like, I mean, he's he's doing a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like cool. But the thing with him is that he's walking. Okay, so like the songs could say anything. He could have said like, I like having sex with men in a song, and nobody would have cared because when you look at George Michael at this point of his career, you're just like, <laughs> no man has ever looked like this doing Americanized pop music. Mm-hmm. He looks better than James Dean. Mm-hmm. He sounds better than Chuck Berry. Like, there's this whole like dangerous element to it that's frustrating for like pop music at that time. Like, because like Michael Jackson, like Michael Jackson, like was Michael Jackson. Like he like fused all of this stuff that was going on in like urban music and mm-hmm. like crystallized it. But like George Michael's very much like I'm gonna look better than James Dean and try to sound better than Chuck Berry. That's what I'm gonna try to do. And I'm going to walk right in between those two things. And that's like a dangerous, dangerous American space. He, he also, though, I mean, if you think about I Want Your Sex, and if you saw it, used to have a, uh, it used to have a little promo before it. And yes. it, was, it was a response to the AIDS crisis. Of course. The promo, yeah. You remember the promo? It said something. Yeah. Uh, it's not on the album, unfortunately, but it said something. He's talking uh, very seductively. He's like, gives you the stats and then says, you know, Sex is good. Monogamy is great. And all through that video, uh, he wrote like monogamy yeah. on people's asses. And yes, it's just mm-hmm. like it's all over no, the place. no monogamy is across the back. Yes, monogamy across the back. 
And then, and then Faith came along and did what you were talking about, which was straight the American blues like revival right. stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a it was a faded blue jeans he's dancing better, up he's against than John Cougar dancing up against a fucking Wurlitzer. You don't get yeah. more American than yeah. that. He's, but it was in 1988, so this album had a real. It didn't win a Grammy until '89. It had such long. Life. It had such a long life. So in 1988, though, is early '98. This song came along, and I think this in the video more. So than anything, like sort of said, this is what this is all about, which is hilarious because the th- first song was "I Want Your Sex," but this was more about like what he wanted. You're and, not going to play this, are you? Yes, I am. Oh, you're, so, you're, so, you're uh, a jerk. So, so uh, huh? yeah, this is so, great. So, father figure came <laughs> along and sort of changed everything. So. From George Michael. Now that, uh, not just the song, uh, which, you know, this whole album is themes of, of relationships, some forbidden relationships. Some, I mean, I, in 1987-88, if I remember correctly, if you if you take the visual cues from the video, that was con- that phrase, just father figure and stuff, was considered kink. Mm. Which is something that, like, you didn't talk about on the airwaves. You didn't, you know, it just... Again, it, and maybe it was just in Southwest Virginia. It probably was in Southwest Virginia. <laughs> like, now that I said that, like, of course it was just in Southwest Virginia. But, you know, you, you, stuff like that was just like stuff people didn't talk about. You didn't see it in movies. You didn't see it in television. If you did see it in the movie, it was going to be, uh, I think NC-17 was out by then. Nah, uh, you're still looking at X-Men. Like, you're still looking at X-Men. Was, was, was X-Men yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that, oh, to me... Was pro- that's probably the most like actual memorable moment of this album, uh, seeing that video and seeing him and and what he's trying to say again, still not out of the closet, you know, and talking about which is important later on, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I wish you guys could have seen the, both both Marcus and, and Sarah were like playing the keyboard and trying to dance because because you know it. Right, it's I mean, burned in your yeah. Abs- I can see the video as we're talking about it with the model, and right. she's like leaves him, and then she's like, no, yeah, so yeah. good. Okay, so um, I'm gonna drop a bomb on this, and given that it's 2017 and George Michael is no longer with us, um, Faith uh, is 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 largely a record about George Michael having a breakup mm-hmm. with man mm-hmm. that clearly was older than him. And taught him everything he needed to know about how to, like, do this homosexuality thing that he was very conflicted about. Um, and Father Figure, in that context, then, becomes, like, the most, like, bittersweet, overwrought, mm-hmm. manic-depressive no. love song Well, because, yeah. because he doesn't, I, he, he doesn't eat trick where he switches... 
uh, narrators all over this album, where sometimes he's the protagonist, sometimes he's the antagonist. Yeah. In that, he's the antagonist, and he's and he's assuming the voice of this person who broke his heart. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible. Like when you when you think about it, like okay, so like I listened to this record twice today, and I was on the way over here in a cab, and I just like I shed a tear. I heard Father Figure, and I'm just like, oh my god, like it really hit me. You're just like crap man like because it's funny when he, when he released the record he like there's like this thing where he said like you know like there's been two very difficult years of my life i want to like you know give thanks to, like my family and my friends who have been very supportive of me during this time of my life and people are thinking oh well when wham broke up that must have really broken him up like man i mean he yep. and andrew originally they were making a bunch of hits and then all of a sudden it's like game over no he was very about wham. like going through like the throes of like a breakup, like those 12 steps of like, you know, like manic depression you go through after a breakup with someone you truly love. And uh, this song then becomes, goes from like, okay, so the thing about anything that George Michael does, just in, in retrospect, is like every song he made, he had to like, number one, make it straight, appropriate. Yeah. Because in this era, like you could have just come out and be like Frank Ocean, like Frank Ocean, like had all the major keys where you could just be like. Hey, I like guys. So here's all these songs. Well, in, Boom. and in that sense, and that's where I thought you were going with this. In that sense, this very much is uh, analogous to Blonde this year. I was gonna thank you for bringing it, it up because I wanted and, to make sure and, we talked and, about and this, especially, especially Nikes. You know, yeah. When you have somebody, you know, in Frank's in Frank's case, it's somebody who refuses and because it's none of anybody's fucking business <laughs> to, to answer, like <laughs> yeah. whether or not you know because he's in a time that, that people can do that, right, right, and, right. But he doesn't hide from it either. Yeah, you know the last line of Nike is is like it only matters if you're fucking him too. Yep. And and the whole time he's talking about a dude. I mean, it's very yeah. clear that the so right. But, but George Michael could do that, right? But was this? I mean, I want to talk to someone who was like 30 when this came out because well, yes, was exactly, this as, exactly. You know, did people think it was veiled then, or do we just are we like, wow, this I'm is thinking, crazy because we were like six when this came out or whatever? If, okay, so I'm thinking if we had like Twitter <laughs> in like 1987, we didn't, we did not, we did not, we did not. Sadly, I mean, if Donald Trump were on Twitter in 1987, jeez, Twitter would have been lit, especially during the boxing God, matches. Jerry were on, were on Twitter. Oh, oh lit situation. Him and, him and Jim Baker. <laughs> Lituation. Tammy Faye Twitter. <gasps> it's Tammy Faye Twitter. Oh, so lit. Mm. But anyway, so, uh, so you have like, so we just think about it. Like, if people would have had that access to like having those kind of conversations that we get to have now about every single piece of every well, single record. But well, this I feel too, like they were, were having these conversations. I was just 11, so I wasn't part right, of it. But yeah. somewhere no, they were I, having these conversations, right? I, I don't think they right? were because like, no. we're, all, we're all in the journalism gig mm -hmm. and we know how this goes and stuff. And this was not... I don't know if it was a specifically protected story. Like, like literally, looking back at this, America. you can't look and be like, nah, I mean, he's, probably, he's pretty straight. You can't do that. Like, and, that, <laughs> and that's not 2020. That's not like, oh, I see now. Like, there's no point in his career when he was a public figure where you can look at that and be like, no. But at the time, I think because perceptions being what they were, people just denied it. Yeah. Like they did with it, like they did with everything. Ronald Reagan's but, but so, America. So if he's doing nope. if he's doing interviews with Rolling Stone, and he's doing what I mean, what was what were the other like spin was around maybe spin yeah spin yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you only have like three or four, and they're print mags. There's no internet. So what what are they going to do? They're going to write you know a story about him, and they want to sell some papers and stuff, but they don't want to lose access to him. So even if like. Even if he fucks the fucking author and it's a dude, <laughs> like the author is not gonna be like, 
out him. No, absolutely not. And they shouldn't. But even if it's not a media conversation, you can't tell me within that community people were not having this conversation. Oh, I'm sure they were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, super hushed. Yeah, like, but that yeah. Com- but that Just community- like people had it about Luther or whoever I always, else. I always think of it like when I think about this record in retrospect, I think about like the party scene in Less Than Zero. When there's like you know like they're <laughs> yeah, at like the yeah. super swanky art house party and like everybody's just kind of running around like coked out of their minds, I'd imagine that if like you dropped like father figure into that conversation, there's two like beautifully attractive like models having a conversation. I heard that George is gay, and the girl goes, "I heard that too," and then it's just kind of like, "But I bet you he's still awesome in bed," that kind of thing. <laughs> That's that's 1987. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like 88. I mean, that's what I'm thinking because it's still it's still Ronald Reagan's America. So we still can't feel comfortable in saying these things. I mean, right. in, in right. Barack Obama's America, where Frank Ocean got to come out of the closet and be like, "Hi guys, I'm gay." All these are gay love songs for sure. Hi. For sure. Like it's a very different thing. But I mean, this is still like 1987. So like for sure. So like you know like but I still Ronnie's got think one more year in office. Meaningful oh, to folks is. who recognized it more than it was to right. me as an 11 year old. Yeah, I'm I mean sure. like like I said, I had pumped it to my head ever since I was like six years old. Absolutely, that this guy was gay. It was like works. He, this guy's gay. Like, <sighs> you know he's gay, right? You, you know that, right? Yeah. Like, it just goes without saying. Um, I want to play a song now. Uh. And uh, fix a mic, actually. <laughs> but uh, I want to play a song now because I think if you look at the back end of this album uh, after uh, Father Figure, you have "I Want Your Sex," which is like pretty. But but you go into what we were talking about, Ooh. and 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 you hit a song that is, in fact, one of the best soul songs like of all time. Uh, there's there's two of them, I think. On oh this, yeah, definitely. Uh, on this, oh. one of them ends the album, and this one, uh, this one is about Shit. midway in the album. Uh, so I'm not even gonna say what it is. So you just listen. Shit. <laughs> Get ready. Put, I'm gonna put Marvin on after that. Okay. I'm gonna put Sam Cook on All after right. that. I'm gonna put 
And maybe it's because I, I in the eighties I grew up, and that was just there. <laughs> that, was, that was ubiquitous on the radio. So, so it we were, absolutely was. We were talking during the song about the idea that okay, so like there was a very clear split in uh, in music in this era. There's like black music, and there's white music, and never the twain shall meet. Except for George Michael, who happened to have the a number one R and B record, and also won the Grammy for best R and B album. Mm-hmm. This, but but I think, that for, for this record, was there not the mix, a good bit of mixing in at least the audience and stuff? Because otherwise, how do you explain DeBarge? Well, DeBarge was more like the freestyle <laughs> thing that accidentally <laughs> happened because I basically was trying to make Sarah laugh. I'll say that DeBarge only happened because L DeBarge. Came after Michael Jackson. It didn't work as well as Michael Jackson. But if Elder Barge had come before yeah. Michael Jackson, then the barge would have never happened. And Mike probably would have hmm. never been the same star that Mike was. True. That's true. I mean, because Elder Barge I, had, you know, like, uh, had um, all the hits. I also, I don't know what kind of radio. Like, I remember DC radio being, like, older Quiet Storm. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, WAVA, which was, like, more, like, pop stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he infiltrated... All of that, and that's why that I heard it. No, you absolutely can't. So, like at the same time that like George Michael was running the charts, like there's some amazing black music being made at this point. Um, I can't believe it'd be Guy for the okay. So Guy, Guy, which is like Teddy Riley, yeah, who is an unequivocal yep, yep. musical genius at the time. At the time, also you have Aaron Riley, you have, you have Aaron Hall mm-hmm. in that group, who is one of the greatest soul vocalists of all time. And they have songs like Peace of My Love, which are, yeah. You hear the first three chords of Peace of My Love, you already know what's going on. Like, you know, doom, doom, doom. Game, right? That was 87? Wow. Yeah, that was 87. You also have, you also have New Edition putting out their last record together, which was like Any Heartbreak. Any Heartbreak, it's a great fucking which album. Which has like astounding records on it, including Can You Stand the Rain? Which is one of the greatest soul records of all time. Right. But because George Michael, who is from England and is whiter than the day is long, Greek guy, with, with, with five o'clock shadow. Perma shadow. Perma shadow. Tight jeans, cowboy boots, leather jacket, white guy. Not just like not like not like white guy who like is is cool in in the hood, white guy that you had like seen like occasionally. He's not also also he's not like Bobby Caldwell or you know he's not like white guy that like hides his identity until all of a sudden he's like hi I'm white or like Michael McDonald who you're just like okay I'm cool with his it's whiteness another... because he's super gifted. Yeah, this guy is like white enough to be like I'm gonna stand next to guy and next to New Edition. And next to Luther Vandross, and next to Freddie Jackson, mm-hmm. and next to Howard Hewitt, and next to all these people who are like making epic records. I mm-hmm. think it is kind of fucking crazy. He won R and B Album of the Year, though. <laughs> Pop Album of the Year, sure. Right, but but think about it. Well, you think about just that lineup, and I haven't mentioned it. But like, is, is that is that though? Is that taking? I mean, I, I, I don't understand that. Understand that. Away from... is that. Is that taking a narrow definition of that? Because uh, because yeah, artists like him, kind of. you know, and and this this conversation persists to this day you know he was celebrating black music Mm -hmm. the black music of the time and it it, i if he had been american i would be actually all on your side because like (laughs) you you dumb fucking redneck you can 
you know. But but he wasn't. He was British. It was. Oh, it was so, right. and, that, and that gives him a little bit more yeah. credibility I mean, because it does. It does. There's an Al Green still. thing that he does when he grabs that mm-hmm. note in um, One More Try. And he just grabs it and squeezes it. It's that. It's that. I'm still in love with you. Love and happiness. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like. Thing where he grabs the note and squeezes it, squeezes it, squeezes it, squeezes yeah. it until the last very second he can hold it and he moves it on. Yeah. And it's like seamless and beautiful and you're just like it like breaks it like breaks your it break it for me every time I hear it, it like breaks my back and I'm like, Oh, so good. But I mean that's the thing. It's like he did all of this. I mean the thing that people don't get about this album and why it's so great, is like he did all of this on the same record. Father figure Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one more time on the same Yeah. Yes album like and there's a thing that there's, there's a thing that's important same about, album as i want you to, as like I want you you, sex as monkey Faith. yeah oh, i love monkey like, <laughs> like I, I had the cd single of that i i destroyed i mean kissing a fool you know, oh my gosh I kissing still a love fool that is fucking amazing it's crazy you know yeah. you, the you only you have song. hard day hand to mouth and look to, look at your hands and this was coming from something that we found out after he passed like that he he, I mean, he, he wasn't just like somebody who showed up for We Are the World. Mm-hmm. This is a, <laughs> a guy who had millions of dollars and said, you know, I think I need to do good. We found out later how good, uh, you know, he was volunteering it just like Soup Kitchen and just yeah. demanding people not tell him, not, not say anything. Just be like, hey, you know, it's yeah. okay. I'm George Michael. I'm here. I'm 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 doing <laughs> this work, <laughs> um, which, which was a very 80s thing to do, though, yeah. on that album. Have a run of songs that are just... You know, the most egregious was probably Sting's Russians, but uh, <laughs> but this was you know buried in, and 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 consequently they are the least impactful songs I think on the album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but they're still great. They're still God. great. They're still great. Like I mean, there's like again to get back to the soul narrative with this. Mm-hmm. Like the the soul the soul of this record is the thing that makes it last the longest. Like when you. Okay, so like there are artists from like Justin Bieber to like you know to going all the way back to like uh, Jerry Lewis that have tried to do like soul music mm-hmm. explicitly, but like and even like the the British Invasion guys tried to do it you know like mm-hmm. Eric Clapton and you know we talked about Mick we talked about we haven't talked about the Beatles trying to make soul records and right. it's very Earthsats and sounds like just shitty pop music and that's why I crossed over because it's just Earthsats and you know it's easily attachable to people who have very non-attuned dumbed down musical ears mm-hmm. but like the thing that makes George Michael great is like he made actual soul records well and that, that's why i said i would hold it up because it actual records you, you we don't it's hard especially doing the journalist thing it's like it's hard to see things at the time yeah and i think at this time i think one of the reasons this succeeded like all like really truly great records and records I'm using your yeah. terminology for it as as a single mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to a record is because I'm like 75 years old apparently because it was still... because it was objectively great yeah you know for sure. I want your sex objectively it's, it's it's hard if you're a kid and it's even harder if you're not gay and in a disco like mm. I can't imagine like my dad or like when we go to bed because <laughs> like, we used to sit out we, how this played out is that we had a you know, we lived in a sort of secluded neighborhood there was a cul-de-sac and all the parents would hang out they drink their bourbon and gingers in fact out of the glass that you're you're drinking out of uh, and amazing uh, and uh, you have lead poisoning well that's neither here nor there <laughs> <laughs> um, Life is good. Uh, mm. This is a great podcast to go out on, man. Yeah, but but so I have a hard time imagining them after like they sent us all in, 
like getting down to like I want you your sex. There's absolutely no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's absolutely no way. But but aside from that, like just just the singles of this album even are these classics of soul that I think if we even try to if we remove them from the context of like it's George Michael and mm-hmm. you just drop them in a list, like people are gonna hear them and be like, What the fuck is that? Yeah, like who's that? Amazing. And and I wish we all wish we knew like how to define that thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a like one more try? Come on. Like how do you how do you even define that? You, the second he starts singing though, you're like, I got it. Yeah. It's like it's the it's funny because it's like the last like the last time, like, okay, so an artist gets a first, uh, gets only one chance to make a first impression, like you, you, you only really do. And um, I'll say that the first time I heard Frank do his, like, I am solo artist man, this is my creative, like, thing. Ocean? Yeah, Frank Ocean. Yeah. And I heard, like, um, what was it? Um, I heard uh, Novocaine. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I heard something since, like, this record where I heard somebody who was like clearly tormented, but also so like fervently focused on like, I am a creative and this is my like thrust and I must get this out into the world where I was like, I heard that like clarity, mm. even though there's like all this stuff going on. Like Novocaine's got like 47 different layers of like stuff happening, right. but like, obviously he's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to nail this thing. Bang. And you hear it, it comes out and it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Okay, that's amazing. Then I heard like Pink Matter, and mm-hmm. that's the second time I heard. Pink, I heard, and I'm like, okay, all right, well, you, I, you win. And Super actually, Rich yeah, Kids. Super Rich, yeah. Channel, Channel, Channel Orange is really equitable to this album, yeah. and, and it has the same effect on it because I listen to that and I, uh, pansexual wouldn't be the right right word. It's like, but I. I divorce the sexuality from it, even though I know what he's talking about, right? Because it, it comes from a very human place. So, so faith, and, 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 and tell the story because I think I, I don't think I'm the only person who influenced this way, but it is about that. Yeah, it's it's basically. So I spent the summers in '98 hanging out with two women uh, who, who shaped sort of like my personality I, and didn't get with either of them uh, to, much to my chagrin Damn, son. But, yeah and uh, and uh i did you know but 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 no they had they had a gremlin and we would do stuff like hang out and drink wine coolers and, and uh, watch awesome. dirty dancing and drive up on the parkway but invariably every time especially when i was driving like i couldn't i couldn't escape this album like the tape always went in they hmm. always had to be listening to it and what this did is, I mentioned these bands up front that we were talking to, but but seriously, at that age, for a lot of dudes, uh, at that time, you know, music was get in your pickup truck and put on fucking hysteria, mm. you know, and listen to the rock and roll. And you were, people you figure out their, like, identities, like, at that time, and in the 80s, you were just told, you're a dude. Like, you gotta do dude things. And the idea that you could have even like empathy towards the feminine, uh, besides like being confused by them and be like, you know, was was outrageous. But mm-hmm. listening to this album over and over with with those two women, and now one of them has kids. I actually don't know where the other one. Like, literally changed my life because it led to stuff like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. led to all kinds of things. It deepened my love of Prince because all of a sudden, this thing that like, it, you know. If you in my school said you are a big fan of this album, the immediate response is like fag. 
and that was, that was I mean that was that was oh. real and and it was like that all over America I think mm-hmm. I think very and so if but the result was that all of a sudden it opened up this whole new like thing of music and a way to appreciate stuff and like that is to me what the deepest soul music does. Mm-hmm. I don't think George Michael set out to do that at all. I think in in the truth in what he was doing and like the fact that he was struggling with his actual sexuality like came across and somehow it just got beamed into all these people my age and were just like, yeah. Like I get it now, mm-hmm. you know. Because look, the meathead response to like I want your sex is just like oh fucking, you know. No, but it, it is. But if it you really, really think about that song, it's just like I don't dance and I won't dance to this day. Like I just don't. But if I were gonna dance, I would dance to that. Cause fucking it's ridiculous. Yeah. So good. So I had a question. I wanted to know when did um, Prince release "If I Was Your Girlfriend." Mm. Because I'm trying to, it's, it's in that same era, right? It's like '82. I can. Okay, so I'm when I listen to a lot of stuff that like George Michael does, I listen back to like all of the Prince records that were like of like you know questionable sexual character, you know, given the fact that like we didn't quite know in that era what you know Prince gay straight, what is he, you know? So like nobody knew. So it's like I listen to those records, and I think when you talk about like the the influence of Prince on what George Michael was doing, it's very it's very canny. If you look at the if you look at the music industry as a thing that's you know, largely meant to sell tons and tons and tons and tons of records. Mm-hmm. Like, Silent Time was 87. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in that same, same era. Same era. Yeah. So, like, same year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this only because, like, when Wham came out, Wham sold everything and they made every kind of record. Wham made a rap record. That's how Wham got on. They were the white rappers. They were the white teenage clean cut mm-hmm. rappers from mm-hmm. the UK, which is like, in retrospect, you're like, what? How did that happen? But listen to like Wham Rap and it'll, it'll, it'll solve all your problems. It's a, it's a rap about being on the dole and being like working class. Again, things that in retrospect you're like, what? But, right. but it's fascinating in the sense that like everything about George Michael's career was always predicated on like we're going to make a – we're going to sell a, a, a butt ton of records. So like the idea that like you get to this point where like – What's up? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so you get to this point where he's a solo coming out. And it's like, okay, so, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to, like, how are we going to sell all these records? I mean, it's yeah. funny. I see Janet Jackson's uh, Control up there, which came out in 86. Yes. A year before. And you have, like, that that Janet, that, that, Jer- that uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis influence on, uh, yeah. you know, stuff like I Want Your Sex. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. clear, obvious Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis influence. But so you have that, and then you're like, okay, we're going to grab Chuck Berry. We're going to grab some Little Richard. We're going to grab some Prince. We're going to grab all these little elements we're, and all these little pieces. We're, yeah, and we're, we're going to do the we're going to do the the Universal Songbook. Yeah, but it's yeah. but it's all the stuff that like played on the cusp of like gay straight up down left right, but also sold all the records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but it, but isn't that the best art? The stuff that like literally under he he but had that, he that had nineteen eighty seven. Go through go through further on in his catalog and stuff, and you yeah. know he had. But, like everything was a hit. But, like but, Freedom ninety. Oh, oh god, that's one of my favorites. That's yeah, fucking. Great. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But by Freedom, but by, but by Freedom ninety, George Michael burned the, the faith jacket yeah, in the video because he's like, he's like, the fuck jukebox. it, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. Like this is me. Which is funny because this starts out with the organ part doing Freedom yeah. as in faith, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's it's, it's crazy. At the sense and by Freedom, but by Freedom ninety though, it was ninety eight. And the only reason, and people still weren't telling that story. We had the internet in '98, yeah. yeah, and it still wasn't being told. Hey. And he got caught 
at a getting restaurant, it, yeah, yeah. getting it in a Wasn't restaurant, it? and instead of being like, I mean, at the time, stuff like that was against the law, but instead of being like ashamed of it, he was just like, yeah, whatever, but you know, and and I guarantee you, like a bunch of dudes that I went to like high school. <laughs> We're like, like, mm. like what? <laughs> <No>! <laughs> so, so I mean, but you're talking about like all the records that all the other records that came out. You said we talked about all like the we talked we talked about like Howard Hewitt and Guy and New Edition. But you also mentioned like Appetite for Destruction, Mysterious, yeah. some of the biggest selling like rock albums, most yeah. white bread, like masculine aggro rock records right. of all time, like are coming out. And then there's like George Michael has to do Faith, which he's like, uh, and to think about it, like in a sense of like, okay, so like George Michael's like, I have to go into the studio and record this record. And I'm going to talk about like me breaking up with this guy that completely fucked up my life. But I also have to remember that I'm making pop records, and I have to make pop records because I'm signed to this big giant label that wants well, to sell and, yeah. and you've eight heard, trillion and records. You, and you've heard the Joshua Tree, right? At this point, you've heard Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> yeah. Like, like th- these are not these are albums we're going to be talking about this year. Yeah. These are not inconsequential no, things. No, these are sure. some of the biggest sure. records of all time. Oh my gosh, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's like sitting there and he's like, okay, so I have to like make a record that talks about my 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 gay ex boyfriend, and I'm gonna like ether him. I'm going to like. This yeah. this man sucks. In the same way that like when Adele went into the studio to record like Rolling in the Deep and everything that's on twenty one. Mm-hmm. She's like, This man is the shits. And I'm going to ether him. I'm going to destroy him. He's not going to be able to stand, walk, or breathe. So he's going and doing that, but he also knows that he's very much also in the public sphere a man. Mm-hmm. A very masculine man, a very much like man that women want to have sex with. But do you think part of me thinks too. I mean, the reason I dragged my dad to the Tower Records at GW <laughs> University to buy this when it came out was just because it was the guy from Wham's solo album. Well, like, yeah. do you think part yeah. of him was just like, fuck it, I'm the guy from Wham going solo, people are going to buy this shit, I'm going to do whatever the hell but I it was, want. But I think it's also the fact, too, that, like, I mean, I think there was an element of that, but I think there was also, there's a difference, you know this as a journalist, mm-hmm. there's a difference between artists that make the album that hits number three. As opposed to Very artists true. that go out to make the album that hits number, number one. one. Absolutely. Yeah. Like like the Chainsmokers, for instance. Uh, Chainsmokers no, no. is the best example. I'm bleeping that out. The we don't talk about Chainsmokers. Side. We do not talk about the Chainsmokers. Chainsmokers aside one day. Not on this couch, sir. We're, we're going to make Closer, and it's going to be the number no. one song no. I mean, in the whole entire universe. So George Michael's like, I have to make the album. Like yeah, This yeah, is yeah. the album that, like... I have to hit number one in America. Like I have to like come right. out to get his well, solo artist and hit number one. To to your point, Sarah, I think uh, I think what you're talking about is something that we have lost. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm not going to be the person like it's the internet, you know, that we do this and stuff. But you literally went out and and saw it because got it because it was the guy who was in Wham. Absolutely, and that was built and predicated on you liked Wham songs. Mm-hmm. It was not built on you might have got a teen beat with Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> uh Tiger Beat also. Uh you know you, oh, these Tiger things were beat. around. These things were around but but you you wouldn't yeah, one new edition edition. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know you didn't uh that was the reason for getting it and, and these things weren't held up for uh for they weren't scrutinized as right. much in public. Right. Now that we can scrutinize them in public, or but in this case, we're talking about 30 years after the fact, and posthumously. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what the use of this this particular podcast is, except for us <laughs> to hang out and do this because Fun. we all love this album. Absolutely. So good, you know. And I've seen a lot of breakdowns of his career, and so and this is and and they all say a lot of the same thing. But I I don't like. It's important to connect to this because of how again, just how soulful it was. Mm-hmm. How it was the guy in Wham. That's why I got it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure there were and, people who hated Wham at the time and thought this album was fucking trash and were like, give me the prince and, yeah. you know, screw this. But I, I don't but, even think so. It's funny you say that because I don't even I think, think so. so. Really? No, no, you can't tell me. Okay, so do you remember the first time you heard Faith? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have to say. It, like, <laughs> But that's me. No, but okay. So, so Kevin, yes, you remember the first time you heard Faith? I do, and I felt you I, ever. I felt relieved because it wasn't "I Want Your Sex," right. and I was like, "Had you ever mm-hmm. heard a song until that point of your life that sounded like Faith?" Actually, no, no, I hadn't. Same, same question for you. Had yeah, you probably ever, not. Right. Same for same thing for me. Faith was one of those songs, and there's songs that exist in the world that are like that. That literally divorce everything you know about music from music. I mean, and, we, we haven't heard that. We, we, I mean, we don't we need to play what we're going to. Yeah. You know, like, so, right. so, like, let's play it and come back to that. You know that is uh, that is hey God that's a perfect pop song yeah that is it is it's three minutes and thirteen seconds yes anybody know numerology does that stand for something no it's a three, it's a three minute pop song <laughs> does it stand for hi I'm George Michael I'm really gay but none of you will know until 1998 probably that'd be amazing if it did amazing because uh, I think he's that level of genius yeah no I mean mm-hmm. this you know as we start to wind it down so we don't go like. Three hours. We could. <laughs> well, you know, here's the rule: is like if you go longer than the length of the album, you, 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 you're, you're, doing, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. And uh, we have done it wrong now for 250 episodes. Just about. Man. Uh, but you know, it it is. Again, this is this was an unexpected loss. It remains to this day, though. If anytime somebody like this dies, or anytime it should be when just as we get older, we revisit it. And start looking mm-hmm. back at what we do. You know, I have a big list now of albums that are thirty years old. I've always scoffed at like main, like if NPR does it, and they're like, you know, you see these, you pop up. It's lazy content, but like if you do what we're doing, it's not. It's just like <laughs> we're gonna sit, we're sitting down there having a few drinks and just listening to the fucking Talking album and running our goddamn mouth. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's important because you you will find something in these works that you didn't have when you were. You know, when I was like 16, when you were like 11 or mm-hmm. 12, when you were nine. Nine years old. 
And, uh, you know, it's like the old old saying about, like, Catcher in the Rye, people read it, like, every year or every 10 years and stuff. Yeah. You, you you relate to it differently. And uh, and this is one of those albums yeah. that, unlike, I mean, I've got the same reaction to Appetite that I had. Yeah, I'll slide this in here real quick. Um, so I work at Decades Nightclub. We do, like, retro mm -hmm. music. Retro is cool again. It's a big thing that we do. And uh, there's there's actually a a if you go into the club if you go into the '90s floor of the club I'll tell the story so that every not not to advertise the club because I do that every You're couple fine. episodes but I, I won't in this case but um there's a there's a picture of a of a of a woman that's saying retro is cool again and it's very much like stylized like pop art like Roy Lichtenstein um that was initially supposed to be George Michael's face from the Faith video. That was my initial pitch. Really? Of him with the glasses. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, popping out of TV. Yeah. Saying retro is cool again. And uh, it's always funny to me whenever I'm in the club. Because, like, when George Michael passed away, I walked in that day, that, that, that Monday, to work. And I sat down at my desk. And I looked at all, all of my bosses. And I went, Ha! <laughs> And everybody knew exactly what I was talking about. Because I, like, I, like, I, like, died for that one. But we were, like, we were very much, like, like, you know, George Michael's one of those, like, weird cusp artists. And that's, that's, a, that's just, like, the thing at the end of this is that that was the point I was leading to. Is that, like, George Michael did Faith. And then he did, like, Freedom 90. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you don't get better than Faith and Freedom 90. Like, mm. back to back. You, you just don't. No. And then everything else after that was, like, amazing. But like in this, it, it was amazing in the sense that like someone to love. Come on, well, oh, someone to love. I mean, great. Yeah. By, by, but but the, the funny part with George Michael is that George Michael created this way for like people to like replicate a certain like pop soul mm -hmm. thing, with the UK bent. That by like the the later end of his career, you saw so many artists. Like Robbie Williams, yeah, 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 yeah. and numerous I, others. I think that's key that he created it. He created it. He's for the sure. Y'all need to understand. Right. It didn't exist <laughs> like, for him. What? What? This did not. This, no, this just he did not. This, yeah. Not a thing. Not a thing. But yeah. So anytime you go to decades, you see this picture of this like Roy Lichtenstein woman saying retro is cool again. Should have been George Michael's face with the sunglasses on, like staring, like you know, kind of coolly off into the distance from the Faith video. But that did not happen. But yeah, every time I think about George Michael, it sticks in my head now for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. He was the man. <laughs> By far, uh, this is this is not. Uh, been listening to this all week, and then just even talking about it now, I'm just like, maybe I'll listen to it again, <laughs> as you should. Some more. I know I don't get sick of listening to it. No, at all. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming down. Absolutely, about this. we're gonna do these a lot more this year. Uh, for your listeners, we're going to sit down here and keep listening to this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe next time you can come by and uh, we'll see. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks to Sarah and Marcus, not just for coming down and hanging out there, but honestly, for, for being good friends. This is, you know, 
what you just heard is is basically what we would do in our spare time and just hang out and listen to music. In fact, after this, for about an hour, we hung out and listened to 80s music and revisited all these other classic albums that maybe we're going to be talking about. Uh, you know, some of it maybe nobody should be talking about because, you know, there's a lot of great music in the 80s, but there was also a lot of bad music. I know one thing we're going to be doing is, is Dirty Dancing. Uh, that's that turned thirty recently, so we're going to be talking about that uh, with Sarah Godfrey. She's going to be back here, but yeah, it, you know, it's it's just a good time. It's meant to be. You know, we uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about music, and we like talking about music with other people, and we want to talk about music with you. So, you know, if you have any thoughts on this album, if you have any any stories you want to share, there's a comment section on the site, and just leave it there, and, and we'll keep this conversation going. I could talk about this album for years. I could tell stories for years. Uh, it has popped up throughout different stages of my life. It is it is wonderful. His work was wonderful, and it is a tragedy that uh, George Michael passed away. It was a true loss to the music world. Uh, and uh, But, you know, we've got his entire body of work to celebrate it's all out there faith wasn't just faith was a good album but all of his albums are are, are astounding so uh, that's our podcast for this week if you liked what you heard please subscribe to us in itunes you can uh, subscribe to us there and you can also leave a comment or rate us there feedback is good we'd like to know how we're doing if we're doing good if we're doing bad if we're boring you or if we're making your year that's always the best one. That would probably get five stars. You can also listen to us in Google Play, in Mixcloud, in Stitcher. You can listen to us on SoundCloud as soon as I get to uploading the most recent two. <laughs> so sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get a little slow. But uh, those are going to be up there uh, always. And like I said, as always, you can stream it from the site. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got some uh, got some cool little podcasts. Going to talk a little bit more about jazz. We've got some great jazz albums coming out. And, uh, and I got a sweet interview with Bobby Thompson. He's a local guy here in D.C., but he's, he's played all over the world, all over the country. Uh, he has a new album out uh, under the name Revelator Hill. And, uh, and it's great, and we're going to be talking about that. So that's what you have to look forward to. Uh, our time now is, is at an end. Uh, we thank you for hanging out. Uh, we, we're going to talk to you in a few short days. But until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. See you soon. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>